So I met up this week with Kay Rail, AKA Kevin Rail of Park City at the Silver Mountain Sports Club. And I was feeling brave and I thought that I would learn from Kevin himself how to get me a six pack of abs. Now, if any of y'all know me, you know how far away from a six pack I am. Clearly the muscles are there because I can, I can sit up just like all of you and uh, stand up and walk and do stuff like that. But a six pack of abs, no ma'am. And let me just tell you, I'm so close to a six pack, I'm not even at the grocery store yet. That's, that's what I'm saying to you. But I thought, hey, be brave. If you wanna do something new, you gotta learn about it and you gotta push yourself. So I met up with Kevin and Kevin has been featured in documentary films such as Fasting and The Motivation Factor. And now he's designed a rigorous challenge called My Six Pack Challenge. And this is what I wanted to learn from him, how to actually complete this challenge. It's a challenge that's both invigorating physically and mentally. All of these kind of complex movements that cause your brain to fire up. And you have to think about things. You can't just do it. You have to think about each move and try to execute it correctly. Um, so when he showed me the program, I very quickly learned that my favorite part was that all of the things he showed me, I could do at home in the privacy of my room so that there could be no prying eyes around when I um, fell over or fell out or you know, whatever it is, because some of those, just remembering the order, it was gonna get ugly. That's all I'm trying to say. It was gonna get ugly and it did get a little ugly, but that's okay, we made it through. So anyway, if I'm being honest, fitness is a subject that I have told myself that I know a lot about. And I also, if I'm being honest, readily acknowledge that the Nile is not just a river in Africa. And yes, I did bring that joke with me from the 90s because I'm from the 90s, okay? That's what you gotta understand. I'm from the 90s, I live in the 90s, and my reference is all from the 90s. So Kevin is a highly sought after fitness coach. He has an incredible wealth of knowledge and he always has been willing to share that knowledge with anyone and everyone. And this, just recently we had the chance to sit down and chop it up together and talk about things. And not only did I learn about this, uh, my six pack challenge, but in listening to Kevin's story, I learned that there is so much power in accepting your truth or your reality. So enjoy our conversation. I drank a little too much back then. Okay, but that's like, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. I never drank a lot. I just drank too much back then. What'd you drink? Uh, um, kamikazes were, were good. Those little test tube drink things. Those bright orange things. <laughs> right. yes. I like sweet drinks. So I like, um, uh, not margaritas. Well, I do like margaritas. Cos not Cosmos. What are those things? They're like all alcohol. And there's triple sec in them and a little pinch of soda. I feel like you're just talking about a Long Island Long Island tea. tea. Yeah. <laughs> they were my go-tos. So we had this place in Pennsylvania called... Um, the Metro, uh -huh. Metro, and from eight to 10, I'd go with my friend Jonesy. Anytime you have a friend named Jonesy, you know you're in trouble. Okay, anytime you go to a place called the Metro, the Metro. yes. You're in trouble? Yes. One dollar, one dollar Long Island iced teas <laughs> and penny drafts. Sounds, sounds about right. And my friend Jonesy was a beer swilling drinker, loved alcohol and loved, he loved beer and he liked to watch NASCAR. And I was like, 
fitness freak guy and I like my fancy foo-foo sweet drinks. Right. So I would get as many you know, Long Island teas down as I can in two hours, which wasn't many, usually two and a half. And like they just get so sweet after a while, you might just like, bleh, it goes to, to pop on you. So I would get two and a half of those down, mm -hmm. get demolished, and then we'd walk two blocks down the road to this place called Flashbacks. Right, where you could flashback on what you just did. <laughs> If you, weren't too, if you weren't too disoriented. So we go to flashbacks and they'd have penny drafts there and they'd have all these pennies laid on the, they didn't even like have you pay. They just like threw pennies on the counter. Yeah. And the rule was you had to slide the pennies across the counter to get your beers and you could only do two at a time. So I would go and get two, Jones would go and get two and then we'd sit at the table of four. And then we would sit there and proceed to get demolished and flashbacks was, it was like a flashback to like the 70s and 80s disco stuff. Oh, nice. And it was rocking, man. It'd be like, it'd be packed. It was a party. So then we'd get demolished and then I'd regret it the next day, and then I'd go on like super health kick for the next three months, and then I'd go back with Jonesy, and he'd go, let's go out again. Yeah, listen. And then I just Your got sick of it. name says everything, yeah. Jonesy. It <laughs> says everything. It does. It says exactly how this night is going to go. Yeah, and it wasn't good. It, the ending of that story was never a happy one. So, oh, yeah? yeah. Was that part of the, the impetus that brought you here? Oh, yeah, definitely part of it. Yeah. Because then I'd be like... Jonesy is still around? Oh, yeah, we're still buds. Okay. But we're like, I am just so different than all my friends back east. Yeah. It's like that's what got me out of there because I'm like, I can't do this this party thing and, and wing night on Wednesday, spaghetti night on Friday, NASCAR on Saturday, drinking beers all day long. I'm like, I need to get up early on Saturday to work out and I have to go for a five mile run. Indigestion. Yeah. Ugh. I get contact highs quite often just thinking about it. Oh. The alcohol and all the junk that we eat. I'm like, mm -mm. okay. And I'm like, I go back home and visit people and they want to like go out at eight o'clock. They want to go out to eat at eight o'clock and then they want to go out after that to we the bar. We should, we should I, have already I've usually done it by six and in bed by nine. <laughs> right? right? And then just get like, older. It's just like, hey, I'm, I'm not down for all of this. That's well, <laughs> it's just like I, I found my groove when I came out here because I didn't have to worry about the distractions of the people and the friends and the family dragging Turn me. Turn face you more. Okay. So tell me about this groove. What do you do? Well, I'm a biohacker. Yeah. I'm a health and fitness professional. I help, I help make huge changes in people's lives in a short amount of time. I love it. And I don't do it by sketchy means at all. You know, I'm not gonna bastardize CrossFit and say it's horrible and it's mm. the end of the world. But I always have to use that as an example because it is like, in my opinion, a get rich quick scheme. Because uh -huh. people think, yeah, they think they can jump into a CrossFit class and get miraculous results in a month mm -hmm. when they never lifted weight in their life. Because everyone at their office is doing CrossFit. So they suck them in and they say, let's go do CrossFit. So it's oh, all wow, you lost like, so much weight. It looks fun. It yeah. looks like it's on paper it seems and sounds and looks fun and amazing but i i know more people who are injured from doing it than those who are not injured and even those who have excelled in the in the sport yeah. of fitness called crossfit they're perennially injured always have brock tape on their arm or their shoulder their knee they're scheduled for surgeries chiropractors pts always injured their hands are mashed to a pulp they, they work out till their hands are bleeding you should never, you should always work smarter, not harder. Right. And you should have a, a, a goal in mind of yeah. what you want to achieve at the end of your workout. And you always want to leave your workout feeling better than when you got there. And I know so many people who don't. Yeah. And I'm it, telling you, that's again. That's a hard one. It's a, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. So I, that is completely my philosophy. And when it comes to exercise and fitness, it should be fun. It should be, it should be executed well. It should make you better physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it should be something that you look forward to all the time. And you shouldn't regret it. And you shouldn't like get up morning and go, oh, I gotta work out today. Oh, I got a session with Kevin today. That should never be a thing. You should be like, oh, yes, I get to have a session with Gabriel today. I'm so excited. for this, I gotta go. <laughs> well, that's, that's well, a good one. How did you get into fitness in the first place? My, when did it start in your life? Five years old. As soon as I was able to like, like yeah. start, make my senses started to like really kick in and I started making sense of the world. 
It, it was like that long, that long ago. Uh, my dad was in the military. Nice, okay, I was gonna say, you know what, CrossFit is a very military-oriented. Military-based. You know, a lot of people have accused me of doing CrossFit and asked me about it, we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute. Accused <laughs> you? Who says that they've accused me of working out in that way? They have, but my dad was always um, teaching me exercises that he had learned in the military. Right. And it's interesting because nowadays, Everyone knows a, a burpee as a burpee, but right. technically a burpee and a squat thrust are two different things. So they call a squat thrust a burpee and it's not at all. Yeah. A full burpee is you put your hands on the ground, you kick your legs back, you do a push up. Yeah. And then you jump in here and extend your arms straight above your head like you're diving into a swimming pool. And I see all kinds of horrible atrocities in the gym yeah. of burpees, formations, backs arching, people just sticking their arms in the air like this and like that's creating the next burpee. Forward. This kind. Yeah, that's, then, a, that's <laughs> a chintzy burpee. We don't want to do the chintzy burpee. <laughs> What does chintzy mean? That, it's chintzy. It's not doing a full form. Like over at 45, I was ripping it the other day, oh. doing burpees, like right up to the last second. I'm like, just two seconds, yeah, one more rep left. And I turn around, everyone just like stops, and I'm like, and I'm like ripping for the next rep. I'm like, oh, one more. I'm like, I am more opposed to burpees. But well, my butt is a lot heavier than yours, so let's like, just be clear about that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very, um, very in tune with my body and other people's as well. And yeah. some people are intimidated to train with me because they see me working out, and I'm like, they're like, oh, you I would never know. We're not the same. Yeah. So yeah I, right. I'm like, everyone is individual. I'm like, what you see me doing to myself is not what I would do with, with another person unless right. they were equivalent to me. Right. Or if they were like an 18 year old, you know, budding right. ski Olympian or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm going to put them through a different protocol than, a, say, an 80 year old client, which I, I have. Everything really? from, yeah, five year olds up to 80. Wow. But at a young, to answer your original question, at a very young age, there are certain things that stuck with me mm -hmm. that just hit me. And the Dallas Cowboys was one of them. <laughs> and exercise and fitness was the second one. <laughs> the Cowboys. It was just, I'm speaking, the Dallas Cowboys resonated with me and, and fitness yeah. resonated with me. So my dad was teaching me these drills. What I was going to say was certain exercises you think have certain names these days are not the names of the exercise at all. Yeah. For example, a squat thrust and a burpee are two different things. Right. And the way it's performed is different than a lot of way, way people perform them now. Yeah. Jumping jacks, which everybody does, mm -hmm. right? They're not jumping jacks. Those are sold, called side straddle hops. Oh. A true jumping jack, a legit jumping jack, which we're going to do, and I'm going to show you. Uh, oh. <laughs> really burns your quads to a pulp, and you could you could usually do about ten of them before you have to stop. Really. Yeah, and they, they work your core and they work the whole shebang. Okay. They're different than your than the the typical. Uh, I'm jumping sorry, just, you know, just touch nervous. We're good. Oh, you should. Like, I tell this to everybody. Right? You never have anything to worry about when K-Rail's in the room. You never have to worry about anything. Tell me why. Because although I have this like pedal to the metal attitude, it seems like, and I seem like a really high intensity guy, I know how to bring the chi down. Okay, it was like, and seems, I'm very... like seems is not the word I would go with. <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I am super... I'm super mellow and I, I have yeah. the ability to, to medicate the situation when people nice. are, are stressed. It's shocking to some, but it is the absolute truth. Yeah. And I know this because it started at a very young age and I was, I did, I realized that I have certain skills that are like beyond the fourth wall, I call it, okay. which is the obvious. So okay. I'm very empathic. I'm very psychic. I'm a highly sensitive person as well. Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm very sensitive and I'm a closet romantic all rolled into one. Okay. The closet thing. I, I believe that. I mean, and it's not so much even closet day. romantic anymore. I <laughs> broadcast it. I'm like, I always talk about the importance of human connection. Like we're making yeah. eye contact. We're having this awesome conversation. We're yes. not, we're not sitting on our phones all hunched up with bad yeah. posture. Yeah. This is lost in the world. I Hugs guess. are lost. Kisses are lost. People holding hands, people yeah. showing affection for each other. People giving words of encouragement to people. Yeah. It's gone. Yes. People don't care. They're on the phone all the time. I They're scattered that. in 45 different places. Everyone has become so ADD and it's always about me. I, me, my, I, right. me, my, right. it's like, what can I get? Yeah. How, how can I get more attention? How can I get more cameras turned on me? And well, how do you how do you combat that? 
I, I just don't even, uh, what I do is every single thing that I do, mm -hmm. I try to make sure that it has a positive impact on society or people. I try to help it. I'll, I'll spend an hour talking to someone at Whole Foods who comes up to me and says, hey, for example, I got someone pulled me over the other day. This is the first time it's happened. It was, it was very fun, actually. They're like, I saw this guy staring at me funny. I was over in the bullpens and he comes walking up to me. He's like, did I just see you in a documentary film? And I go, you might have. I'm like, what was it called? And he goes, fasting. And I go, yeah, that was me. He's like, oh my God, he works at Whole Foods. Oh, nice. And he's like, oh my God, that movie has such an impact on me. He goes, and yeah. I saw your story. He goes, that's amazing and stuff. I talked about my eating disorder and how mm -hmm. fasting actually is a, is a treatment for me. Yeah. And he just, we sat there and talked for like an hour. He's asked me all these questions about fasting. I didn't say, oh, here's my Venmo. Hit me up, you know, you owe me 150 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Right. I don't even think about it. I don't think about money. I don't I think about anything. To you, now you owe me money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the deal. That's how it works. That's how this goes. Didn't you see the fine prints on the bottom of my shirt? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I just, it, it really fires me up and motivates me to help other people. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very serving person. I love it. Yeah. And that is where it always comes. It always comes from heart center for me. And it's never about, it's never about looking at my biceps, looking at my abs in the summer. Yeah, I do a lot of shirtless stuff in the summer, but I always tell people I dress to the conditions. And in the winter when it's cold, I wear a t-shirt. In the summer when it's warm, this is as far as you go with the conditions. <laughs> Pretty much. I definitely want to touch on you being outside with no winter gear on because it like, it makes me cold to look at you. But I want <laughs> Kind of like it makes me bellyache when I see somebody in a nachos cheese platter oh, at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Oh, geez. You said it right there. Yeah, down the Denny's. Ooh. Holy. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. On that's your about system. as bad as it gets. I've been down that road in my early 20s and yes. my teens. When I could. <laughs> when I could. It didn't put me out for a whole day. Yes. Yeah. But I want to go back to, because I, I wondered, you mentioned this to me like a couple weeks ago, the eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen the, the documentary because I didn't know what it was called. And I guess I could have just asked you. Yeah, he's good. What else? What else? My bad. It's all good. Tell me about the eating disorder, what it was and. It's called, I guess have you you've overcome? Yeah, well, you never overcome it. Okay, so tell me about it. Okay, so we'll go back to my father. Yeah. So he always wanted me and my brother to be fit, if you will. Okay. Because he was he was built like a part of my well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna swear. I was just, gonna say Bill like it. Can I say it? Yeah. He was built like a brick shit house. And he grew up on yeah. a farm and he was always doing chores after school and before school and through hay bales and the whole shebang. And that farm boys. He was a farm boy. You don't mess with farm boys, especially no. in northeast Pennsylvania. Yeah, I got one of those as a daddy too. Oh, did you? Military farm boy, yeah. Oh, your dad was military. Yes. Alright, cool. Yeah. So he instilled this like burning desire in me and my brother at a young age. Mm -hmm. He didn't want us to be flabby, he didn't want us to have pot bellies. He used to use our pot belly all the time and I used yeah. to laugh like anything. And he was very strict and he was old school. And I, I have fond memories, they're not fond, they're scary memories of my mom saying <laughs> In the middle of the afternoon, when me and my brother would be resentful for some reason against her or whatever, she'd be like, well, your father gets home. And I would be like, oh. and we'd stand in attention, like, oh, shit, what are we going to do now? So we'd run, we'd scatter like mice, yeah. and then we'd stop doing whatever the, the bad thing was we were doing. And she still told on us, and then he would just, yeah, you guys want to look at him. Yeah. Yeah, you still got the beating. Yeah, we still got the beating. That's when, like, beating was, like, okay. the routine. We, we expected we it. in the 90s. Yeah. Yes. There was, like, straps and brooms and hands and you name it. It, it happened. It yeah. went down. And it wasn't child abuse, it was just like, it that was, was the way they were brought, it was discipline. That's what it was. And I'll tell you yeah. what, we resented the hell out of it back then, but it, it molded us, me and my brother, to who we are today. Exactly. And I would, I would have no other way. Although I think I there's mean, some I mean, I would push. maybe try to be a better child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I wasn't that bad, though. You know? <laughs> I guess it's the, a matter of perception. I didn't think I was bad, maybe they thought I was, who knows. But um, that's what started it all, because I would, I would literally sit at the lunch table, and I would suck my stomach in. 
because my dad said, I don't want you guys to have pot bellies. I'm like, oh, I don't want anyone to think I have a pot belly. Yeah. So I was very impressionable, like I said, and highly sensitive at the same time. So with that being the case, that's a, that's a recipe that can be a recipe for disaster. Right. And because I was empathic and psychic already at a young age, yes. like I would, I would hear a song in my you head. Just internalize all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just suck it in like a, like yeah. a sponge, and I would pocket my lunch money five days a week, and then I had money to go to the arcade with in the weekend. And I would, I was like already, I'm talking like fifth grade, that young, where I would suck my stomach in, and I pocket the money, and I was already paying attention to my intake of food, and I, I connected the dots with with salt and sodium because my, my grandparents had high blood pressure, so I'm like, I stopped using salt in fifth, fifth grade. I'm like, I'm not gonna salt ever again because I don't want to get high blood pressure because the kid, they're taking medication, they're going to the doctors. I was scared to death of hospitals, doctors, the smell of hospitals and doctors' rooms and stuff. It freaked me the heck out. So I start, like literally my eating disorder started that young. And then my whole life, it was always like sucking my stomach in. I would cut my calories. I, I wouldn't, I skipped lunch here and there. Mm -hmm. And it just went all the way through like ever. And I was like always pinching my sides. I'm like, oh, I gotta get rid of this love handle. Oh, look at this fat on my side. I hope no one makes fun of me. I hope no one makes fun of me. Because Did it ever occur to you that no one saw? It, it, it never occurred to me. Looking at you that way. It never occurred to me that no one gave a damn about the fat on my sides. But it was yes. me that gave but a you, damn about it. Yes. And that was probably the biggest problem. That was my my highly sensitivity. I'm like, I would project things before they even happened, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, I hope they don't think I'm fat. I hope they don't think I'm this. I'm blah, 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 blah. And I would just play all these stupid mind games with myself. Yeah. And it started at a young age, and it went all the way through. And I didn't realize this until years later when I when I hit the wall in 2008. And like I, I figured out. Well, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the wall in 2008. I did. That was like yesterday. I know. It took that long. Yeah. So I was I was in prison for so many years. The actual. So you asked about what what it was called. Mm -hmm. um, years of your research later, it was called um, orthorexia. orthorexia. Orthorexia athletica is sometimes what it's referred to as. Is that the workout until I have nothing left in me? Pretty much. Oh, it's wow. it's the. Um, Body dysmorphia, first of all. You look in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm fat, what am I gonna do about this? I gotta get rid of this fat on my side, I gotta get rid of the fat on my ribs and my arms, and I need to get more ripped, I need to get more lean. Um, so your, your, your dysmorphic okay. image of yourself, that's one thing that happens, and then you take basically healthy eating and exercise to a whole other level where it becomes unhealthy. So there's this thing I use on, the, this term I use on the streets called hormesis, which is a good thing. It's when you walk around with no jacket on in the winter and you expose your body to cold temperatures or you get into a sauna or you get into a, you do hot yoga and you, you push your body to a very high limit mm -hmm. and you just trigger it and then you come back. And when okay. you do that, okay. you get these massive benefits. Fasting is a form of hormesis. I do it all the time. So you can fast for a little while. You can fast for days. You can fast for many days. But if you fast too long and too hard, you can also kill yourself. So hormesis okay. is good to a certain point, but if you go too far, you're done. Now, eating disorder is a whole different ballgame. Right. Your, your, it's your perception of, of the food. I've known people, especially in the wintertime, when the Olympic athlete, or the summertime, when the Olympic athletes come down to Park City and they train in our gyms here. Right. They, um, they're as lean as I was back in the day. They're 106 foot, 150 pounds, maybe 155. Uh, lean as can be. That's lean. Yeah, they're super lean. Yeah. But they just run like gazelles. Yeah. However, they have a good relationship with food. They, they, they expect the shake after they're done working out. They look forward to eating bananas and rice and keto diet, whatever they're doing. They're, they look forward to food and they eat with all their friends and all their, all their teammates and their coaches and they go out to eat and they have these big meals and these big feasts. And they're constantly fueling and eating, eating. Most of them have like nutrition coaches that work with them and stuff and that's great. They have a good relationship with food. That's not how it was with me. So you can be 20 or 30 pounds overweight and still have a massive eating disorder if you don't have if you have a twisted perception of food that you're eating and you don't have a good relationship with the food, and that's where I was. 
So what was that relationship that you had? My relationship was in 2008 in this very building and the other one and out on the streets, I got down to 145 pounds. I was six foot three. I'm still on six foot three. Was <laughs> yeah, I decided it all six five now. No, I was six foot three then and then and now, but I got down to 145 pounds, which is grossly underweight for someone who's six three for how active I was as well. Yeah. So I would literally get up in the morning. I would have exercise-induced anxiety, which I coined that phrase. I think I haven't seen it anywhere else. Mm. Where sometimes I go to sleep at night and I'm so excited about my workout the next morning and what I'm going to do, I can't sleep. Or I'll sleep solid for like four hours. I'll wake up and I'll start thinking about my workout and like. I'm gonna do hill sprints and I'm gonna do kettlebell swings. I'm gonna do snatches. Oh, maybe I'll do weighted jump ropes in between. And my mind would just start racing. I yeah. still get that once in a while. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's mild now. It's I say, yeah, I'm like, yeah, me too, but no. That's <laughs> true. I think about, oh man, I gotta wake up in a few hours. <laughs> and that's about that's it. That's too funny. But anyway, it, um, yeah, so you basically go off the deep end with right. the healthy. And, and I would go to the grocery store and I would to buy, I don't know, just routine things, produce and, and like nutrition bars or whatever. Yeah. And I would sit in an aisle and I, I would spend an hour reading every single fine print and label on every single bar there was. Yeah. And I knew the answers usually. And I, yet I'd read them anyway yeah. because I thought maybe something would change. Maybe they changed the formulas or something like that. And I would spend in a, uh, just a in huge, inordinate amount of time reading labels and stuff like that. And I became so meticulous that it was like I tuned out to everything else in the world. So I'd get up in the morning, I would run for about an hour and a half, come to the gym, do another like 20 minutes of ab work, then I train a few clients, go home, eat a small meal, hop on my bike, go for two and a half hours, come back home, go to this website called caloriecounter.com and I punch in my height, my weight, my uh, my uh, level of activity and what I was doing, biking, Which, running, whatever. How, do you, how in the world can you put all of that into? Right. Exactly, so I was exercising probably somewhere between five and six hours a day. Yeah. And then, what I made a habit of doing was burning more calories than I was consuming all day long. Mm. So I remember fondly the numbers 1,600 and 1,400 for some reason. So usually I would burn 1,600 calories a day and I would consume 14. 14. Yeah. And if I found any, any of those days that it would flip flop and I would consume more than I would burn, yeah. I would go into massive anxiety. Oh, really? Yeah, and depression. And I'd be so mad. It was un unbelievable. And the next day I'd be like, I'm cutting back. That's it. I'm not putting a tablespoon of sesame seeds in my, in my oatmeal anymore. I'm taking that away because I'm saving myself 35 calories. And I would figure out like, I had it down to a, the, the, the split second of how many calories I was consuming oh my gosh. and how much I was burning. I am starting to feel the anxiety of just not having that control. I feel it like you so, lost it for a day. Believe me, the anxiety was yeah. through the roof. And, and there's like a double whammy that occurs. Your body fat gets so low yeah. that your brain starts getting decomposed for energy because that's right. where the most amount of fat is located because it yeah. pads your brain. And then your brown adipose tissue starts getting eaten up, which is the, the fat that pads your organs. organs. And when it starts going, you're screwed because one minute you can be totally fine. This is like the research that I, went, I found out how people die from eating disorders. Your organ will just shut down like that. Like you're fine, right? I'm talking to you right now, we're fine. Yeah. My body fat percentage is 2.8, I'm 142 pounds. Yeah. And also my liver will stop working. And I'll be like, I'll get a slight pain, oh, oh. And then next thing you know, I'm just gonna be like, boom, done. done. Yeah, massive pain. Then you start clutching your chest and then like, you're done. So that's, that's kind of how you die from an eating disorder. And because I'm a freelance writer, I told you before, I started writing for Livestrong.com years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was doing just like bazillion articles for them. And I started writing a series of articles on eating disorders. Okay. And this is when I finally came to grips that I had a massive eating disorder. Cause I was gonna say, all, how did you hit that wall? Well, this is, there are two pieces. This is yeah. one of three, actually. I'm gonna go with three. Yeah. So the very first piece is, I had I got to a point where I was, like I said, 145 pounds. I was here in town and I was going for 140. My friend Jill, who's still one of my best friends to this day, she was my head trainer at the time, 
at the gym. Yeah. She loaned me a couple bucks to drive back across country because I'm like, screw this place, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everyone's being negative and blah, blah, blah. And they this heard, place? This, this place? place, like Park City. Really? I'm like, I'm peacing out you of here. I love this place. I know. Okay. This shows the delusional aspect of was. eating disorders. Yeah. 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 Because your hormones start going all over the place. Oh, wow. Like I said, your brain starts getting decomposed for energy. That's the first place it goes. Then your organs start shutting down. Plus, your hormones are all over. So one minute right. I'm super happy, one minute I'm super excited, one minute I'm super angry, one minute I'm super depressed. One minute the end of the world is coming, next minute I'm happy. And it's like that. Yeah. All day long. Oh, that's exhausting. All day long. Yeah. Super exhausting. Okay, but also I would have just said it's exhausting to be around somebody like that. (laughs) Did you notice that? Yes. And then then friends started like like, peeling off. They stopped inviting me places and like Mm -hmm. I avoid every any kind of public thing I would avoid it at all cost. I'm like, oh no, I can't go up Main Street tonight for this. Sorry, isolation is also bad. Yeah, isolation was horrible. And I would like make these big bowls of salad and I'd go in my room and hide and eat and like I had all these really secret videos. You know how, like, the bad counterintuitive <laughs> that sounds? I'm going to make this giant bowl of salad. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow, that's And believe crazy. me, I knew exactly how many calories was in that salad, too. Oh, and I, I knew that if I could build enough volume there's like, and eat it really slow, like my hunger hormone would kind of just kick out at about 20 minutes. And it would take me like half, 40 minutes to eat that salad. I'm going to stuff at the end of it. And it was mounted. But I mean, like a bag of baby spinach and a romaine heart combined make a lot of volume. Right. And then I would add like very... Um, watery vegetables to it, celery, cucumbers, tomatoes, stuff like that, that give you a false sense of fullness. So I figured out all the tricks of the trade. Then I throw some seasoned nuts in there and I was eating um, fish at the time. So I put like, I used to put, um, what do they call it? Not oysters, was it oysters? Yeah, I would alternate between like smoked oysters, sardines, all these like- The, the canned seafood? Yeah, the canned, yeah. Okay, yeah. And I'd get like really clean versions of them because remember, Eating disorder. Yes. Yeah. Um, you want your orthorexia. So I get like the cl- I make sure it's like from from wild caught and all that stuff. And like I did all the research on the benefits. Oh, it's a good source of fat and protein and blah blah. I throw them in there, chop it up, eat it really slow, be stuffed as can be. And I'm like, good. I'm good. I'm good for the night. And then tomorrow morning, I'm getting up at like three thirty, go run first, and then do my workout, and then do my bike ride, and I map it all out and plan it all out. And like I became tunnel vision, and that was what my focus was. And it was yeah, it was horrible. It was crazy. And later on. After I finally broke through. So how did I get out of that? Yeah. I started writing articles. So like I told you earlier about yeah. the fact that I try to just do the right thing all the time and always serve and like help people. Mm-hmm. And that's what fires me up. And that's what makes me happy. Um, I realized I'm writing articles on this, these topics. I'm handing them in. They're getting accepted. And they're going out to cyberspace. And people are reading the articles that I wrote. And my name was in face were attached to them. Yeah. And I'm like, but I've got all these symptoms plus 10 more. I'm like, that puts me out there as a hypocrite. Because I'm giving advice on what to do and call this help center and, and go here and go to yes. you know go to a, um, a clinic. Anytime, I'm going to go ahead and just live up this disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And then I came home one day to my old house in Pennsylvania. I was living in New York City at the time, uh, Edgewater, New Jersey, technically, but it was across the road from me. Same thing, same thing. Same thing. Sorry, New York. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Right up the road from, uh, no, what's it called? Uh, um, Hoboken. And then there's another one. Jersey City, Hoboken. I don't know, whatever. It was in that area. Yeah. Long story short, I came home to my old place in Pennsylvania where my mom used to live and where I grew up. And my brother was up this one weekend and he literally takes a, a paper and he throws it at me because he, he was a huge bully growing up. My brother was like Son six inches shorter than me. He likes yeah. to drink. He's, he's, yeah. We're to, total polar opposites. Yeah. But he bullied the shit out of me when I was growing up. And he walks in one day, almost like it was joke, like sarcasm and joking, yeah. and he throws his paper on the table. And it was a whole printout of this condition called orthorexia athletica. And he's like, you have this. And he throws it at me. And I went, 
like, screw you. I'm like, oh, nice to see you too. Yeah. Like that's how he addressed me. It wasn't like I didn't see him in months. He comes up, he's like, you have this, and he throws it at me, and walks in the other room. Okay. Because he was like, all yeah, because that's something. the way to get through to people. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. Not yeah. like, not like, oh, hey, oh, hey, hey brother, brother, give me a hug. It's been a long time. Yeah. So I'm concerned. Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. That's the correct. That's human oh, connection so we'll 101 right there right? for all you people watching at home. <laughs> so he throws me this paper. Yeah. And it said, uh, whatever, Orthorexia Athletic. I read all about it, and I was like, wow. And I had just written all these articles, mind you, and it was already starting in my to head. Click. Yeah. This is how the universe works. This is how God works. He throws things at you that right. are like absolutely perfect timing. God's perfect timing, I call yes. it. And you can dispute God all you want. And I don't mean to go religious on anybody out there, but to me, this is what happened. Listen, and this is my story. What you feel is what you feel, and that's what we're going with. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So all this stuff started happening. I read that article, and I was like, wow. I'm like, that does sound exactly like that me. sounds problematic. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I yeah. looked at it and I was like, I'll be damned. So the very next day, I go for a walk with my friend Shelly back in Pennsylvania, who's always been a big motivating friend of mine. And she's okay. into like spirituality and yoga and like peace and calm. Right. The most calm person I've ever met in my life. And I always go to her with my I problems. Love those humans. Yeah, she was yes. amazing. So um, we go for a walk in the woods down by her place. And at this point, now mind you, this is 2008, right before the big economic downturn hit, and I was uh, working at Sports Club LA in Manhattan. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yep, you just brought it all back. Yes, at Rockefeller Center. And okay. all the people above the gym yeah. were in finance, they were in real estate, and all the markets that were totally wiped out by the 2008 stock market crash yeah. were, was 95% of the clientele there. And I just started working there. So, boom, out go the legs of that place. Boom, out go my legs. I was down to, at that point, like 145. And I was like, I had a house back in Pennsylvania that I had been renting two places mm -hmm. that I had been renting mm -hmm. while I was away out of town and all this stuff. And it was so hard to keep up with those because the, the rent that was coming in didn't cover the mortgage. And I had a timeshare that I had bought in years before that, which was a very stupid investment. You're definitely from the 90s, didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, well, that's going to be great. Yeah, no, nope, nope. nope. So anyway, I was just puking money out every single month. And then when all the downturns started hitting, I wasn't making any money. I was scrapping to survive. I was down to my last penny. I was still super focused on fitness, and that was like my main concern. It wasn't about how can I how can I make more money, how can I get out of this jam. It was about I need to make sure I get five thousand, um, uh, well, ten thousand steps a day at a pedometer on my hip out in Manhattan. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that'll be a piece of cake in Manhattan, and it, it was a piece of cake. But then when you didn't have a car, did you? Did you? No, I did. But I took the bus into town every day. Yeah. Because I was, I'll be Public damned if I was going to drive yeah. in and spend fifty dollars a day parking. Listen, I have never been to New York, and I Ooh. hear about the traffic, and I say, mm, not it's doing bad. it. Yeah. No offense. Again, New York. I mean, I love you, New York. I have it right there. <laughs> I do, too. I love Central Park. Yeah. I was out there swinging goddess this past summer. Oh. But I knew I was coming home out of there, so I was okay yeah. with just being there. And so anyway, I was so obsessed that I, I wore a pedometer on my yeah. hip. So I would do my hour and a half workout in my dark apartment on a third story walk up in Edgewater, New Jersey with no light in the room because there was right. no light, literally no light switch. No. <laughs> Hello, and, New York. <laughs> And there were gaps inside the window, uh, uh, on the edge of the window that was right by the bed. They're like this big, uh -huh. and it was December. I remember this is when my my big skid row took place. Oh dear! It was freezing ass cold in there, and I remember sleeping with like just like this. I had a beanie, and this, and a sweatshirt, and long pants, and socks, and one blanket, and I'm like freezing. Now of course out. I yeah now I, you I, wear clothes. I aspire to wear clothes. But when you're sleeping, it's a different story. Yeah, I like when it cool. you don't have a choice. Yeah, when I didn't have a choice, it's not as good. Yeah, so yeah. it was awful. I'd go to the gym, I'd work out, and then I'd, I'd bring my pedometer with me. And I literally, I'd wear it while I was working out, and like I would track every single step I took all day. I'm like, I need to get my 10,000 steps in. And then 10,000 steps all of a sudden became 
15,000. Because I'm like, oh, I'm in New York City. I'm like, you can just walk all day long here. Yeah. You gotta walk, walk, walk. So I was, I was doing 15,000 steps a day, which is like five and, I don't know, five, oh, I guess like seven and a half miles. That became my goal. And then if I didn't get my 15,000 steps by the time I got home and it was 11 o'clock at night, you just kept going. I had to go outside and walk oh. until I got my 15,000 steps. And then I sacrificed sleep and I didn't care and I got four hours of sleep. I was emotionally, physically, spiritually bankrupt at the time That's what it's and financially like. pretty much bankrupt too. Wow. And I got to a point where I didn't, give a, I didn't give a damn if I lived or died anymore. And that was when the big high yacht took place. Okay. And that is when I said, I have to go back to Pennsylvania and get around some positive people and get myself out of this predicament that I got myself into. And that's when I came home. And that's when my brother threw the paper at me. And that's when I had to walk with my friend Shelly. And I was like, I don't even give a, I don't give a damn if I live or die anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and she didn't judge me. And she didn't say, oh my God, you need help and blah, blah, blah. This, right. is, this is the master of science behind coaching people. She's like, wow. She goes, that's interesting. She's like, what do you think would happen if you died? And I went, I didn't expect well, that. No, 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 you're supposed to tell me. <laughs> no, no, You're supposed to tell me that I need to go you're to the clinic to and blah, blah, blah. my life right now. She was. <laughs> Very and like, so what comes next? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, because she's like, I read a lot of books about suicide and stuff. It's fascinating. And she starts talking to me about suicide. And I'm like, wow, am I actually literally having a conversation about suicide? You need to introduce me to Shelly. Oh, she's amazing. She's yeah. awesome. She's actually uh, battling breast cancer right now, but she's like, her, her positive energy, it just keeps like fixing her over and over again. And I just I actually have to call her. But anyway, She's been a rock in my life for so long and we had this long conversation out on the hiking trail one day in the evergreen trees Which I really like to connect to mother nature eco therapy yeah. is so important and I left there with a new perspective and yeah. she's like well just know I'm always here for you if you need me and She's like I'm not gonna tell you what to do or anything and I, I was I, I want to make sure I set the record straight I was never suicidal. No, there's just like a point of like you don't give I a shit if you live or die. Yeah, just I don't, don't care if I'm I walk not going street. to take my life but if it happens right. to leave if it happens to if I have to be hit by what a car, yeah. yeah, or I get shot in a gang warfare or stabbed or hit by a bus, yeah. whatever. I, that's just what it saying. is. Yeah. And then the day before I moved back to PA, I was up in the Upper East Side of Manhattan and I was training a client at a private gym that he belonged to. And before I got there, that's when I was like, I like hit the wall mentally. And I did step onto the second rung of the handrail looking down at the East River. And my friend Jessica called me. Not, not Jessica. Not our Jessica. Not our Jessica. Just, the old, the old, yeah. an old Jessica who's still this day a very good friend of mine. I was talking to her today. She sent me a picture of her kids that were beating um, drums on a BOSU that I got her as a gift before I left town. Nice. It was so cute. They're like, they're twins. They're like two years old. But, um. That's a headache. Yeah. <laughs> twins. Oh, you know all about it. Well, I do. Yeah. Wait, you have twins? No, I just have kids. I knew you had kids. I have two of them. Same age, same time. Oh. Lots of work. Okay, lots of work. Yes. But anyway, I was looking down at the water. It looked like chocolate milk. I kept reminding myself. I'm like, that's like chocolate milk. I wonder if it tastes like it. That's where we're crazy in my brain most of the time. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, of course it doesn't taste like chocolate milk. It doesn't taste like mud. And I said, and sewage. And sewage, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I wonder if anybody ever jumped into the water and made it alive. I wonder if anyone fell into the water and made it alive. Because I was looking down on the right and left, and it was like this big, huge concrete slab. And then it was like 20 feet of separation between the top and, and the water. I'm like, first of all, if I was to jump into that water, would I, would I survive if I just jumped in? And then secondly, how long would I survive and see would I be able to make it out of here alive if I jumped in the water? That's where my mind was at this, this one day yes. in December of 2008. And the minute I was on that second row looking down, my phone started ringing and it was Jessica, redhead Jessica. Yes. And because um, I was sending her really cryptic emails, such as what I told you before about hopefully yeah. not tomorrow I'll get hit by a bus, I don't give a shit yeah. if I live anymore, blah, blah, blah. And um, she was crying. And her, so her and her husband, Jared, were like really good friends of mine. I've known them for like, well over a decade. And they're just like, like I was saying before, like certain people are put in your life for a reason. Everyone is, everyone is. 
Everything is a learning lesson. Everyone is strategically placed in your life and you have something to learn and you have something to give to each other. Right. And they were strategically placed into my life. And she had noticed that I was getting a little crunk on my emails. Right. And she's like, what's going on? What's wrong? Tell me. And I'm like, I just don't, I said, I, I just checked out. I said, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I said, I owe all these bills on the house. It's probably gonna get foreclosed on. I still owe on, on the stupid timeshare I never used. Yeah. The credit card companies are calling me all day, every day, because I'm lending every single bill, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, that's a 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that deserves that's a high five. Wow. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'm gonna, I think I just became 90s guy all of a sudden. Yeah, no, I love it. Hey, yeah. It's a great time. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't hide my age. I don't hide anything. I am what I am. I, I am same, same, same. Everybody's got something to offer. Right. So anyway, long story short, she talked me off the handrail. Okay. I went and trained my client. I, I shifted my focus to somebody else, okay. which is always what I suggest people do when you're in down position. Yeah. If, you're, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling yuck, if you, if you pay too much attention to social media and compare yeah. your ass to other people, Look out. You, are, you are in for a world of hate and hurt and pain, don't Very do it, true. don't ever do it. Because everyone in this world is beautiful and they have special gifts. Everybody's got something to offer. It's and called Photoshop. <laughs> That's funny, because I used to joke all the time, like, but I always in my videos like, flex my arm, and sometimes I'll go, and this is not Photoshop, by the way. <laughs> but, but this, this cut line, that's Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, this is square job, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, this is Photoshop right here. But anyway, um, she basically, I shifted my focus to my client. Mm -hmm. I trained him and I'm like, you know what? I need to get the hell out of New York City right now. I literally got up at four in the morning the next day, packed everything I had into my old beat up um, Subaru Outback. Mm -hmm. I drove back to PA, showed up on my mom's doorstep. My father died from cancer when I was 19. That was one of the big turning, first turning points in my life. Right. And she's been alone all those years. Right. And my brother was in DC and he would come home like, like every third weekend. So he was always helping her with stuff. But I was out, I was out here 2,200 miles away yes. and I, I didn't get to see my mom at all, yeah. really, my whole time out here, the whole 13, how many years I've been here now. So um, I kind of felt a little guilty about that. Okay. So I went back mm -hmm. and I said, is there if I crash in the basement for a couple months until I get my batteries charged sure. and like back together and stuff. Yeah. And she was thrilled I was there. She's like, yeah, stay in as long as you want, blah, blah, blah. I like you, you're, <laughs> you're my son. Yeah. So she welcomed me with open arms and then, um, that's when I started hanging out with my friend Shelly and some other close friends, and they basically um, did an informal, um, what's it called? Intervention. Intervention. I like it. I like the informal part of that. Yes, it was informal, because it just kind of happened. Like, like a roundabout, hey, let's, yeah. let's circle back and come back at this. It was kind of like I was down at, there's a story I used to work out called Everything Natural back in PA, which was mm -hmm. a hub of like just amazing people. Like everyone who worked there, everybody owned it. They're still best friends of mine to this day. Michelle was good one of the energy, owners. Good, good energy, vibes, good chi. Yeah. The store had good chi, had good smells and like beautiful music playing. Mm -hmm. And this is so awesome. It still is, it's a great store. Yeah. If any of you are ever out in Northeast PA, Everything Natural. Northeast PA. Cheap plug. Yeah. But anyway, I was in the basement of Everything Natural when I moved back to town and I was talking to Shelly at the, at the lunch break room. Yeah. And um, we were just hashing out like all my life stuff that was going on. And then another person started coming into the conversation, another one, another one. Before I knew it, there was like six of my close friends standing there. Wow. And then my, Jessica was one of them. Yes. And she literally looked at me and she said, you look like you have rickets. And I went, excuse me? She's like, you look like you have rickets. I go, rickets? I'm like, is that, isn't that the condition that they talked about in the Waltons years ago? There's a show called The Waltons. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Waltons. yeah we're, <laughs> we're older than God, remember that. Right. I'm older than God. But anyway. I'm right behind you, Frank. <laughs> I don't think you're that far. You, you've got to be like way behind me. No. You seem a lot younger. Nah, I'm smooth 40. I'm really? right behind you. I'm right behind you. Wow, no. I've never guessed you for 40. I would, oh, I would think 30. I was thinking 30. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take, take it. Take it. Put it in your pocket. But anyway, she's like, you look like you have rickets. 
And I was like, is that even a disease anymore? Yeah. I, the last time I heard about it was Walton, watching the Waltons, which was fictitiously based in like 1929, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, oh, she yeah. said, you just look, she's like, you look gaunt, you look white, you look like you have bags on your eyes, and you look like you have rickets, and like you're gonna die any minute. And, I'm like, and then like everyone just went around the room telling me all my thoughts. You need to gain weight, you need to start eating, blah, blah, blah. Then they went, then they went back to the other side of the coin where yeah. Shelly wasn't there. Yeah. Everyone's shouting all this crap to me. But, yeah. but then, I, mean, I had already written all those articles. I read the thing that my brother sent me. It all started sinking in. And then I realized I, I, I've got to get through this situation because yeah. I can't, I'm not known as, as someone who gives up. And I'm like, if I'm to withdraw from life and just expect to be killed or dead, I'm going to attract the energy that's going to kill me. Or, or I'm gonna, I am going to get hit by a bus or a truck or a nutcase. You will, It's going to come and everything natural, guns Your blazing. Your whole entire life will just somehow fall right into that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to stop. And then like, that's when I made the decision that I need, I got myself in this, this position, I'm gonna get myself out of it. So I started to accept the fact that I was gonna get bigger and I was gonna bulk up a little bit. And literally within a couple of days, I started eating more fat. I was very vigilant about low fat and no fat, still all the way in 2008. And I, I already went through that phase in the mid 90s, yeah. actually, the low fat, no fat. I would well, eat like that, a whole that package. That was the big thing then. Too. It was a huge thing. Yeah. Snack wells, remember those? Yeah, yes. I would eat a whole package of fat free like, Fig Newtons. <laughs> tastes like cardboard or foam. Yeah. Tastes like foam. Super sweet foam, yeah. Yes, I was like, oh, with sugar. <laughs> they compensated for the lack of Everything. fat with the sugar, <laughs> and the carbs went through the roof. And the, the difference in calories like 20 grams or 20 calories. It was hilarious. But I was fooled by that in the 90s. And then I got in shape, I figured it out, and then I went, too far off the deep end, mm -hmm. but I start. I was regulating my fat intake again mm -hmm. because I'm like, with nine calories per gram, I could I could cut a lot of calories out by just cutting the fat down. Right. So when I was at my major high high point of my eating disorder, I just kind of cut all that down, cut it out, and then I realized the best way that I could gain weight back is by eating more fat. So I found these halva bars. They were called. I don't know if you've ever heard of halva. Halva is like a sesame paste, and they made these oh, bars out of them, okay. and they had them in everything natural, and they had all, like four different flavors. There was a Four. Chocolate. There was a pistachio with raisins in it, which was amazing. Yeah, that sounds good. There was a chocolate coated one. Uh -huh. And then there was just the original one, which is sesame paste. So I would just alternate between each one of those bars. So my first meal of the day consisted of a meal plus one of those bars. So they were 520 calories a piece because they were highly, they're like 28 grams of fat per bar. Right. And again, remember, I had no calories better than anybody else on the face of the earth. So yes. I was able to pinpoint exactly how many I was eating in these meals. Right. So I slowly started eating these bars nervously at first. And I would still work out like, you know, beefcake workouts, the whole nine yards. Right. Workouts never really changed. Right. Always been like on tune with those. However, I literally started to feel better within days after I started eating more fat. Okay. Because when you... D d oh, because your brain said, absolutely, oh my gosh, it thrives. Thank you for the food. Yeah. Yes, it thrives on fat, especially omega-3s. It's super beneficial for the brain. And it's just so good, all-encompassing for your body. And also, it helps balance your hormones because hormones thrive on fat, especially testosterone and HGH. So... I have no doubt in my mind that HGH and testosterone was all over the place with me back then when I was, you know, I literally looked like a skeleton with like massive striations in my arms. Uh, yeah. I was ripped to shreds, but, but also, I, I- Right at the bone too. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh. There was like a, a circular ball right here, like a hard ball where my uh, bicep was. <clears throat> this is a lemon. We call this a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not soft like a lemon, but it looks like one. Yeah. And, and that was, um, that was a huge epiphany for me. I'm like, I feel so much better. Like I felt happier and I just felt better. I'm like. Wow, and then I got obsessed with gaining weight. And I'm like, well, what I'm gonna do now is I wanna try to get up to like 200 pounds. I've never been 200 pounds in my life. And I, I have the frame for it. He's the frame. Sorry. Oh, that's... <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I could get there and stay there and pass there. Yeah, uh, we're disconnecting right now, but <laughs> keep <Yeah>. going. <laughs> so I ended up um, uh, gaining back 
Let's see. I was 145 when I got there. I got up to 190. You were far from 200. You were I was really far. far. I was far. 200. I got to okay. 192 in a year. It literally took me a year. I got to 192 pounds. Oh my. And at that point, that's taking some effort. It took effort. It takes equally as much effort to gain mass for hard gainers out there yeah. as it does to lose weight. Yeah. Um, so especially when I do it the healthy way. Yeah. And I gained bulk and size and a little bit of fat here and there mm -hmm. on my sides. It's always on my sides. Yeah. That's, that's the male thing. Yeah. I love male area. But I was okay with it. As time went on, I was yes. okay. At the very beginning, I was just like, the first month or so, I was just like, oh, oh, I don't want to get fat. I don't want to get fat. Because your, your mind is constantly saying, I don't want to get fat. I want to get fat. I don't want to get fat. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy for a guy to talk about this because it never happens. Guys, well, if it happens, males are, about it. Yeah, yeah, males with eating disorders is probably one of the most underserved um, populations in the world. Yeah. Guys are too macho to talk about it or address yeah. it. Uh -huh. They think they're going to be ridiculed or made fun of. And like I, I've already been there, done that. I was bullied when I was young. I got made fun of for everything. Your ears look like Dumbo. You know, your nose is big. You're stupid. You're this. You're that. I heard it all. And I'm like, I'm an adult now. I'm a grown ass adult. Punches. Throat punches all around. <laughs> Throat punches. <laughs> yeah. So I don't get I don't give a damn what people say or think, and you should yeah. never, ever take anybody's words to heart. It's usually I'll, a reflection of them unless it's always a reflection of them. Yes. Always so the mirror yeah. image. We got mirrors over there that I'm looking into. Yeah. But in the mirrored image of life, that's yeah. how it works. And people are like being accosting uh, you for any reason. So it, I mean, okay, so talk more about what it took to recover. Was it just accepting? Was that was one of the major focusing? things. It was one of the, that was one of the things. And another thing is I started dating this gal back in Pennsylvania who was super toxic. She chained, smoked Ooh. weed. She was the biggest alcoholic on the face of the earth. But when she wasn't drinking, she treated me like gold and she was super nice. And that's a problem. I mean, it sounds like she was always drinking though. <laughs> she was on weekends. So okay. there's, there are a couple different degrees of alcoholism. Yeah. And because I have an eating disorder, there's no difference between an alcoholic and someone with an eating disorder. Right. Because it's the habit that you feel you can control. Yes. I can stick my mitts on the food and I can regulate how much I eat and when I eat it. Right. You can stick your mitts on a, on a frosty cold blue moon, stuff a bunch of orange slices in it and say you're doing something good for yourself. Because right, there's a vitamin C in there. Yeah. But you're still a damn alcoholic and you're still drinking a ton of alcohol. Yeah. So she would proceed to drink about 14 beers in a night and then start smoking weed at 2 in the morning at a stoplight in town with cops driving by left and right. And I would ask her to put it, put it out or put it away. And this is what I would get. Who the F do you think you are, you effing fitness freak? You don't tell me what to do. You're no better than me. I'm a good person. I'm going to hit that Top one. Top of her I'm lungs. I'm going to hit that one. Right. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, window down in the middle of hot, hot, yes. humid summer in Pennsylvania with cops whizzing left and right, oh, wow. going around town because of accidents and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to get my ass thrown in jail because you're drinking and smoking in my car and you're smoking oh, weed. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of stuff started happening. Yeah. That's the bad news. The good news is just... Her, her toxicity helped me a little bit mm -hmm. get beyond the, the, the dysmorphia I had looking in the mirror right. because How? she wasn't perfect, uh -huh. because she wasn't perfect. And she looked at me like I was this like big time fitness professional guy who was like all macho and everything. Right. And she would ask me for advice all the time when she was sober. And I'm like, oh, I can, I can help her. I can fix her. I can be an enabler yeah. in a good direction. Right. But in reality, whenever she started drinking and going off the deep end, smoking weed, she turned into a maniac. And she was super uh, bipolar. And she was on thyroid medication too. And she would literally take her pill and wash it down with alcohol. And I'm like, oh dear God. I'm like, you really think that's a good idea? And that would always cause a battery problems too. Right. And yelling and screaming. And you're a freaking fitness freak. And then all of a sudden the next day, oh my God. I'm thinking about working out this week. I want to start running for 30 minutes a night. And blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Should I do this? Should I do this? And ask me all these questions. And, I'm like, and she'd draw me in by asking me the questions about health and fitness, which was my wheelhouse. Yes. So you can see the dichotomy that was getting yes. set up here. 
and it, it just ended up being it, it ended up being okay for me because I was able to let my guard down a little bit mm -hmm. with my perception of myself in the mirror and I would I would eat more food I would you know live a little more lavish of a lifestyle yeah. which helped me gain my weight back and gain my self back a little bit right but after about a year of those beatings reality struck me and I'm like, I don't oh, like this. this is, I don't like this. This is not who I am. I also kind of sort of don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I already known that I did not like her, her. Yeah. but I was just getting strung around because it was like, it was such a, a bipolar situation. Nice one day, bad the next. Nice one day. Maybe it's she'll be so nice today. Though, she'll be, she'll be running back in. Yeah. And then you always want yeah. it because I'm always like a fixer and I'm always like, mm -hmm. I always try to look at the good in people mm -hmm. and I'm like, people are good. I'm like, everyone is capable of love in this world. That's the yeah. statement I always make. Even our president right now. You may be hated by many, many people. Before you even said president, I'm like, are you sure everyone's capable? <laughs> I mean, everyone is deserving, I'm sure, but are capable? That's a big word. Capable is the word. I think everyone's capable of love. Doesn't mean everyone does it, but I think they're capable of it. I mean, the man has, well, he's got a couple ex-wives, but he's got kids. I mean, there had yeah. been love somewhere in that chain of events in his life. He somewhere. loves his kids. Yeah, he loves That's his kids. for sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah. even the most dastardly of people. Right. Um, right. Okay. Well, I can see it. I so can see it. Right. I'm just a big. I'm a big giver. I'm a big. I'm actually a big teddy bear behind the scenes. I'm not like this cowbell uh, really slinging guns. With, with. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to believe that things would work themselves out with her, and she would she would come around, and she would she would go like the whole fitness direction, you know. And that's the fixer in me. You know, I'm old enough where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you tried. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I tried. So anyway, that came to a screeching halt finally, yeah. and when it came to a screeching halt. I did what I do best, and I refocused my attention back on fitness and exercise, nice. proper diet, not okay. taking it too far. Yeah. And because I had come so far out of, pardon my speech, but out yeah. of the closet with my eating disorder, yeah. um, I had said it to so many people, and so many people knew about it. It started to get some buzz locally with all my friends and stuff. And then I, I made statements to some people, like my friend Jessica back home, mm -hmm. and I'm like, the second you see me getting out of control now, that you know well, my back, you need so. to put the kibosh on me. And she's like, absolutely will. So I had like this whole network of people around me, positive cheat. So then I spent like maybe one more year in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. gathering my final batteries together, getting myself recharged. I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of Pennsylvania now again. And I'm going back to Park City where my ass belongs. Yeah. And then I came back in 2011, December of 2011. And I've been here ever since. And it's been an awesome road. And this is going to, you asked me this like hours ago, but um, what was it I was getting at? Um, the way I keep my eating or eating disorder under control mm -hmm. is fasting. So to me, I, like I said, I used to have secretive eating habits and stuff back in the day. I'd hide right. from people, I'd avoid, avoid public places or whatever. So now I welcome it all. I welcome people inviting me to dinner. Clients have me over for dinner all the time, I love it. Oh. I don't judge the hour, you know, I try to be strict with the hour that I finish eating in the afternoon, mm -hmm. time restricted eating. But if someone says come over at six, and I know I'm gonna be eating till seven, eight, eight thirty, I might have a drink or two, I will totally accept it with open arms and I will not stress about it. And I'll just go right back in the wagon the next day and I'm able to do that now. But when you have an eating disorder, you asked me a while ago, once you have one, it's you have it for life. It's not like, right. oh, you said, oh, you're, you're, you're good now. And I'm like, yes, technically I'm good, but it, it chats at you sometimes. Yes. And I still have days where if I have a bad day or something, I might be inclined to work out longer, to do two workouts, to do three workouts, which you, that is my norm still, yes. especially in the summer. Because it's so dang beautiful here and summers are so short. I've got to get as much outdoor yeah. time as I can. And between clients, between writing projects, videos, whatever I'm doing, mm -hmm. if I have an hour of time, I'm like, my ass is outdoors. It's outside, I'm doing something. Yeah. And I kind of do the same in the winter. Hmm. So um, 
to fully answer the question, no, I'm not over my eating disorder. I always have it, and I always will, and I know that. Yeah. But because I talk about it so much, everyone that knows me closely knows that I have that, and if they recognize I'm getting too far to the left side, they pull me back to the right. How is it that you became, like was it inadvertent that you just became so comfortable with, with mentioning it? Are you comfortable with mentioning it? I'm super comfortable. But did because that just accidentally happen, or was it just, did you force yourself to say, hey, listen, I do have a problem? It evolved. Okay. Um, and part of the thing, like I was saying before, how I like to just give mm -hmm. like service to people right. and help anything that I can do to help people. Right. And if I feel there's something happening out there that, that needs to be addressed or talked about that's not, uh -huh. then I address it and I talk about it. And eating disorders was one of those things. Okay. And like I was saying, it, like you never hear about men having eating disorders. You, have, you hear about girls having them yes. in high school and college, especially ones that are play volleyball or distance runners, lacrosse, or wherever they have like skimpy yeah. outfits on swimmers yeah. are notorious yeah. for having eating disorders. You never hear people about guys, but I, I know for a fact people, guys who are mixed martial artists, boxers, wrestlers, you name it, who have to make weight, cut weight. Cut that's weight. all, wrestlers especially, they've all got eating disorders, massive. They gotta cut weight 10 pounds in a couple days, working out in a sauna with a, with a salt bike. Yes. With a, 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 a suit on, rubber the, suit. The, the wrestlers, wrestlers doing their thing. The Just running, running yeah. in the pool. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, but that's all eating disorder. Yeah. And nowadays with, with like all the diet trends that are so popular, the ketos, the paleos, yeah. the Mediterranean diets, the list goes on and on, the snake oil diet or whatever it's called, snake juice or whatever, people are developing eating disorders right before my eyes and they don't even realize it. Yes. And they sometimes get to the point where they do the same patterns I did. They, they, they forego going to events or Super Bowl parties or like Christmas gigs and mm -hmm. stuff. And believe me, yes, Isolation. I am strict. What's that? It's isolation. It is isolation. Holding back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is that is happening every day right before us, and people are getting so strict with their diets, they're developing eating disorders. It's not even it's not even a blip on the radar screen out there. Yeah. And it's a very underserved population. I don't know why anyone's I don't know why no one is talking about it. Right. And I talk about it because I'm a squeaky wheel, man. So tell me about this. What is it? Okay. So at first glance, you would think six pack challenge, six pack abs, but the challenge. Part is deeper than just a physical part of the body. Okay. The six-pack challenge is, if you hear the word, I want to get a six-pack, it's one hell of a challenge to get a six-pack and maintain a six-pack. So it goes farther than workouts on the floor. Remember how I was nervous before? Yeah. And now I don't feel any better. <laughs> maintain! That's too big! Okay, keep going. Well, it's, it's quite a challenge just to yeah. get a six-pack, and yes. it's equally big a challenge to maintain a six-pack. Okay. It takes more than workouts. It takes mental ability and mental strength. Yes. You've got to see yourself in possession of that which you want at all times. Okay. Because if it's getting a six pack, having a, a positive relationship with someone, getting married, having kids, becoming financially secure, it doesn't matter. Act like you're in possession of that which you want at all times. Don't let that thought out of your head. See yourself there. Yeah. So the six pack, the six pack challenge, the challenge is yes, do the workouts, but also honor your diet, honor your relationships and do all of the supplemental things. This is a lifestyle change. Lifestyle. It is. Okay. That it takes yeah. to maintain that said six pack or to build that said six pack. Yeah. Because it's all encompassing. There are many factors involved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I was, um, it was, it was 2012 actually. It was about this time of year. It was actually a little earlier. It was 2000, it was like December, 2012. So we're in 2020 now. I was sitting around one day trying to, to drum up more business at the gym. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I found out like, my, my style of working out is so different than everybody else. And it comes from years ago in my mom's basement when I lived near, when I was still in PA before I moved here the first time. Got I would go to my mom's house and I'd work out in her basement first thing in the morning because I had all my old rusty equipment down there. Yes. And like those old DP plates. 
Yeah. Get your shit out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't care. I parked at the side. I had no beat up bench, and but but I was still limited on my equipment. Right. So what I had to do was I had to develop exercises in a small space with a short, a low roof a ceiling above me. Yes. That were effective, and that would that I'd be able to get lean ripped with because I always wanted to be lean ripped. That's my gig. That's my jam. Right. So I'm like, and I won't even deny it. I'm like, why hide it? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I totally want to be in good shape because it makes me feel good. Yes. It makes you feel good if you are in good shape. Yeah. And I highly encourage everyone else to try to do that too. Round is a shape. I'm defending. <laughs> hey, if you my feel station in life, okay. <laughs> my my thing is always the same, people. If you feel confident and okay with yourself, then that's the only thing that ever matters. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, you don't have to look like me. Yeah. No one does. So. I had to get creative down there. And what ended up happening was I just created all these really cool exercises. And like with dumbbells, with body weight, with, uh, with walls, I put my feet on the wall, I do all these crazy things. Yes. And I started realizing, I'm like, I think I got something here for my own style of training. So then I started deploying some of these things with clients that I had back in PA, and they were loving it too, and they were getting great results. So then I decided I'm gonna spend a couple months um, just doing body weight exercises. What, how creative can I get? And I literally sometimes exercise induced insomnia or whatever I called yes, it before we come yes. in or anxiety, it doesn't matter, same damn thing. And I would I would literally, sometimes people say to me, and fu it's funny, because in sessions sometimes people are like, what, do you make this stuff up when you're sleeping? And literally, yes, sometimes I would get an idea, I'd wake up in the middle of the night to pee, and I'd be like, wait, how about if I did this move? And I literally would, would flip a light on, and I'd be Try practicing an exercise in the middle of the floor in the middle of the night, figuring something out. And I'd figure it out, I'm like, yeah, that works. <clears throat> so I'd memorize it, or I'd write it down, and take notes, and then i go back to bed. So I started developing these exercises. Okay. But then I started reading deeper into neurological load, brain function. Right. So any, any form of exercise is gonna help the brain. You're gonna release endorphins and it's gonna be a positive aspect of your brain function. And that, this and this are the two most important parts of your body. Your, that, gut, health your gut health and your brain. And those are the two things, okay, talk more about the brain because, okay. well, you know, it's like you just get to a certain point in life and all of a sudden it's like that fog mm -hmm. comes in so easy. Yeah. I don't know why it comes and I don't know why it stays. I'm not 1,000% sure how to make it go away. So, if you want, please. I know how to make it go away. So, you can take the medium of exercise to a whole other dimension right. of brain health if you know how to play the game, which I do. Yeah. Through my research and my studies and my own personal workouts and my own personal reaction from people that I put workouts through. Right. So, neurological load occurs, <clears throat> high amount of neurological load occurs mm -hmm. when you do complex movements and when you do cross body patterns. Crossing the midline of your body. That's why I'm so much into restorative arts and PNE clubs. Why does that happen? Because it causes the synapse and the neurons in your brain to fire up like Christmas trees. So when you read an article, a magazine, yeah. if, you, if you read a book, yeah. or if you do a crossword puzzle, or you right. do luminosity, or those stupid ass games are where you sit in a chair and become more crippled like this. <laughs> yeah, it might fire your brain cells up and, and reverse the, the risk of getting dementia and all cause mental conditions down the road, right. but it doesn't really get into the nitty gritty. If you can take that, and add it to movement and get the endorphin rush okay. plus the weight loss plus the muscle gain yeah. all rolled into one then that's when you're truly tapping into the power of exercise okay. running on a treadmill it will release endorphins it'll make you happy it'll burn calories it'll make you happier and fitter mm -hmm. doing sitting on a bicep curl machine it'll build your biceps and your guns and you can walk down the beach in the summer and say look at me yeah However, that's brainless tricep extension machine brainless leg right. extension brainless if I had you stand on one foot lift this leg up in the air you're gonna wobble. Right. And immediately your brain has to fire up like a Christmas tree. Right. Now, if I have you scrunch down in a single leg squat, put your hands on the ground, walk forward, tuck your knee in like this, do a log roll, flip legs, do a log roll the other side, and walk back up and remember all the parts of the body that were moving, guess what brain, just happened? Your brain has to stay active. Your brain is like fired up like a Christmas tree times 10 on crack. Oh. 
That's what happens. Okay, I see it. So, fast forward to December 2012, I was scratching for business. I created a program that I ran in the gym in, yeah. in my format. That was based on all these movements I had collected and gathered and practiced over the years. Mm -hmm. And I figured out a formula of how to run it and how to do it like in a circuit format that the rep scheme, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to catch a title that's gonna draw people in immediately. So I'm like, six pack challenge. Yeah, right, He's like, right. man, that, that oh, must be a challenge. Right. Someone said to me that summer, they yeah. saw me out at the pool or something. Yeah. And I like, do, that must be a challenge to get a six pack like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. I'm like, but you know, For once you. you get there, I know, but like anything else, it's like, it takes a lot of time to get to it. Right. But it's just like fasting. It takes a lot of time to build up to like a good solid fasting protocol. Yeah. But once you get there, it's so easy to maintain it. And yeah. when you know the benefits and feel them and your body just feels great, it's, it's so easy to maintain. To work. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy to stay motivated. Yeah. And even if you fall off the wagon one day, you're just like right back on to the next. Right. So I'm like, I need to have a catchy title for this. And I, I remember that conversation I had with that guy. And I'm like, oh, challenge, six pack. I'm like, six pack challenge, yes. six pack challenge. That's what I'll call it. Yes. And it, interestingly, I call it the six pack challenge but it's based on like, it's a full body workout. Yes. So it helps improve. And then I wanted to add all these other elements into it. I didn't want it to be just like crunches, bicycle crunches, like, like just brainless stupid things that I see on all these other classes. Yes. I, need to, I need to differentiate it. So it's a full body workout, but all the exercises involved have some kind of aspect to the core, the whole core. Right. And burning fat and building lean muscle mass and improving balance and improving flexibility. Okay. And most of all, improving brain function. That's what I wanted to build. Yes. So like a master technician, I was up to like wee hours in the morning, just like Sylvester Stallone spent six days in a row writing Rocky, the original one, or something like that, because he had an idea. I was kind of like in the same spot. I was like, where are you going with this? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going down the steroids route, I'm going to a different one. So that's kind of what happened. I spawned it off, I promoted it at the gym, and literally within like a week, I had like 47 people signed up. It, was, it just like blew up. And I was like, wow, I was so thrilled. <clears throat> and I, I literally spent the whole year doing the live version of my six-pack challenge. I, I just called it the six-pack challenge at the gym. Right. But when I made the, the at-home my okay. six-pack challenge, right. I decided that I wanted people to say out in public, "I'm doing what, what kind of work are you doing these days when they talk at work or whatever? I want them to say, I'm doing my six-pack challenge because I wanted them to take ownership for it. Right. I don't want to do six the six-pack challenge. That's too bland. Yeah. My six-pack challenge because it's their personal journey and they're right. the ones that are that are watching their calories and their diet and they're, they're stopping eating at seven o'clock and doing all of the things that you need create. to do. Yeah. Right. So the challenge is the all encompassing challenge. It's not just building a six pack. Yes. If they want to do that, you can get all kinds of free crap from, from YouTube and Instagram and all the fake True. people. True. And that's not how I roll. I'm right. authentic. Yeah. So I want to fire up the brain. I want to improve flexibility, balance, core strength, sports um, abilities, and building muscle mass all rolled into one. And that's how I did it. And I also made it preventive for back pain too. All rolled into one. Keep so, me up at night back pain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes to be up and have back pain. No one likes to hold your back at the end of the workout. So I have a philosophy where I'm like, you always want to feel better at the end of your workout than when you got to the gym. Right. You want to feel better leaving the gym when you got there. Huh. Endorphin wise. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. But I'm like, huh? The whole nine yards. And sometimes you got to scratch yourself out of bed in the morning to get there. But never once in my life have I ever regretted a workout at the end of it. Ever. Yeah. And most people I know that I talk to, that's been the case as well. Yeah. So. It's all a basic, it's basically a big, all-encompassing program, and I use body weight, I use kettlebells, I use BOSUs, I use medicine balls, light dumbbells sometimes, occasionally resistance bands, depends in, on the number of people. In your program that is available online? No, so I'll get to that in a second. Okay. In the live program for that whole first year, then I just kept building it and like, like making tweaks and stuff, and now it's like solid as a rock. Yeah. So when I do it live, whatever tools you hand to me, I can just build a six-pack challenge out of it. If you say, oh, I, I want you to do 12-week six-pack challenge, for my, for my gym, 
I'm like, okay, what tools you got? All I have are medicine balls and dumbbell, light dumbbells. Can you make it work? I'm like, I can make it work with body weight. If you yes. told me I have an open room with nothing in it, yes. great. Great, let's I do it. I could create 100 years of workouts in that room nice. with body weight. So the home version, mm -hmm. I built it because a lot of people that are coming to the live version were telling me that they were traveling to Tuscany for a month. Mm -hmm. And their husband's a pilot and you got me these, these tickets and I'm going out hiking and blah, blah, blah. These are like actual true stories. And I need to work out to do blah, blah, can you, you should make a home version of this. And I kept getting asked questions about making a home version. So finally, I scratched up some money and I put it together and I made it happen. I made a home version and I, I built a website, restoreyourfitness.com. Nice. And then I have my six pack challenge tapped into there. Oh, right at the front. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a, um, there's a trailer you can watch where I talk a little bit more about it. And I made that deliberately for people that travel all the time to, to eliminate all the excuses from all my clients to say, oh, I'm gonna be out of town for a week, I'm gonna get out of shape. <clears throat> I'm like, nope, you're not. Go get my six pack challenge home version and you got a workout to do in a hotel room. You got a, whole, a workout to do in a six by six square, spot. yeah, mm -hmm. spot, square foot place. It's like 80% body weight, the home yeah. version. Yeah. And what is not body weight is tools that you already, people already have in their house. Mm -hmm. Broomsticks, chairs, towels, water jugs. And that's pretty much it. I saw that water jug. Said, oh, did you? I saw the water jug. Yeah. You know, a lot of you might not know, but a one-gallon water jug weighs eight pounds, so it can it can um, be you can replace a medicine ball, an eight-pound medicine ball. So yeah. you can do Russian twists, you can do overhead stuff, you can do chops, side things, lunges. That is a you good can idea. Take, you can take two or three water jugs and a towel and slide the towel through the jugs, hoist them onto your back, and all of a sudden you got twenty-four pounds of resistance on your back as you're doing goblet squats. Stick with the bag of rice. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, we got lots of rice in our. House. Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could, I use those as sandbags. Yeah. You know, those big, yeah. big fifty pounders down at Costco. Uh, yeah. Slap those on mean. your shoulders. Yes. They're way cheaper than the sandbag too. Yeah. Fourteen bucks for well, maybe that twenty-five is, pounds or something. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got it. it work as sandbags. <laughs> yes. So anyway, that's what I, that's what I created, mm -hmm. and then I started getting like really deep in the neurological load of exercise. So everything that I, almost like 90% of my programming has to do with complex movement patterns that also cross the midline of the body, mm -hmm. that also target a high, a high amount of muscle fiber as well. Okay. So functional exercise was like a big thing back in the day. So this is like functional exercise times 10 again. Mm -hmm. The exponent always goes, there's always a 10 exponent next to my name, just know that. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> functional being, these are everyday movements. These are things that allow your body to just do yeah. what it has to do. Every so day. you're, you're at a front desk of the gym and you drop a paper on the ground. You have a new client coming in. You're at 45 and you're at the desk and um, the pencil falls off the ground or, or whatever. You have to like sign somebody up for something. And you go down and you bend and you pick it up and you turn like this. So if you have a medicine ball in your hand and you turn and go like this, Same. that's the functional thing. Yeah. And that's just a small example. You're putting groceries in your car. There's a better example. Yeah. And Okay, you have the old brown bag, the old school brown bags, and you turn into the cart and go like this, and then you go like this, and then you go like this, and then you go, and if they're heavy, and you have a medicine ball, and you do that same type of movement from a standing position or even a seated position, yes. or a compromised position on one foot, right. and you're lifting one leg in the air, just think of how much easier it is to, to put those groceries, groceries in the cart. The next time. Yeah. yeah, so my vision is always three-dimensional, so a lot of the exercises I do are three-dimensional, mm -hmm. and when I say three-dimensional, it goes beyond the gym walls, beyond the fourth wall, like I said before, and it's out on the streets because when people come to me and say, I want to train with you, I'm like, cool. I'm like, what, what are your goals? Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to get stronger. I got flabby over the years, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you do outside the gym? And their eyes just get like, They're blow like, up. Um, oh, I'd like to. car and go to work? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's usually, especially in this town, it's always, oh man, I'm a hardcore biker. Right. I like to do lacrosse. I like to do outside climbing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do triathlons, blah, 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 blah. And I just collect, I just 
make mental notes, photographic memory, so I'm just, I just compile it. Yeah. I'm like, great. And yeah, I see that their shoulders nice. are rounded. I'm like, well, we gotta fix your posture. Yeah. We gotta fix your posture. Your core seems weak. This seems odd place, blah, blah, blah. And then I just start crafting in my head because I want them to do better out there. Right. I can care less about how much you bench press. Unless you tell me, my, yes. my career is, I push people out of ditches that are stuck. I'm like, all right, we're gonna do heavy bench press. <laughs> and the only I people I've trained like that is. <laughs> my main career is to push cars out of ditches that are stuck yeah. in the snow. Well, I've trained zero people that have that as a career. Yes. But if it was your career, that's what we'd be doing. We'd be doing deadlifts and bench presses and okay. heavy stuff. Yes. I so, I just tell you now. You hate I deadlifts? Them. No, I love them. Oh, you do? I love deadlifts. So, my, my last micro cycle last month, I did sumo deadlifts, which I, I throw into rotation every now and then. I, ironically, I put on 10 pounds of muscle over the past six weeks. From sumos? From sumo from squats. Everyone. Zercher squats and single leg main deadlifts. I honestly don't know. No, they were Bulgarian, Bulgarian squats. Yeah. Zercher squats? Mm -hmm. So you get a barbell and you put it into a rack yes. and then you hook your elbows under it here. Yeah. And then you just pick it up and you step back and you hold it here like this and then you drop into a squat and you come back up. It's just a variation for squats. I don't like a barbell on my back. I never do back squats. Ever. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's a lot of weight on your elbows. It is, but, but you, get, you put the pad on there. Okay. You just right. hook them in. I was going to say that. It's just a fun variation. Yeah. I feel it really hits your quads really well. So yeah. every now and then I'll throw beefcake stuff in like that. Yeah. Into my programs. Nice. And, it, and I literally gained like 10 pounds in six weeks. I couldn't believe it. I love it. And I was thrilled. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Very nice. In the past, I might not have been okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> Due to today, my disordered eating. Yeah. But this past few weeks, I was totally fine with it. That's great. Yeah. So. That is nice. But I still do plenty of crossbody patterns and like I do my, my circuit type mm -hmm. stuff spawned off of the six pack challenge workouts. Yeah. And then I do like, I never just sit still when I'm working out. I don't do like a set and then just like sit there and click my watch and wait 60 seconds to go to the next set. It's like I do a no set. No does. You know why they're standing there? Because they're exhausted. <laughs> I'm speaking to So I'm not working out hard enough? Exhausted. <laughs> no, I'm saying that starting from where I am, starting from where you oh, are. Oh, gotcha. Two different places. <laughs> I thought you were saying you're not in good enough shape because you're not working hard enough because you're not no, fired enough to sit no, down. No, this is... Okay, that's where I am. <laughs> we right. might want to try to close the gap. I, I can see that it could be a goal in my life. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That improves your, not just your brain function, but they always talk about the benefits of aerobic activity for, for mood right. and endorphins. Yes. I have found that my six-pack challenge trumps any treadmill any day of the week because it's too linear. Although you're moving in like this kind of motion, it's and like I you're stuck on a treadmill like a yeah. gerbil. You're on a bike like a gerbil. Yeah. So. If you're, going, if you're going through a series of movement patterns that are very complex, that are beyond your comfort zone, that you haven't done before, yes. it makes you feel accomplished at the end too. Yes. And it, you really did. Spikes your, <laughs> yeah. it really spikes your endorphins when you're done for the whole day. Yeah. Like when I do these kind of workouts, it's like I just feel amazing the rest of the day. I feel like solid, I feel tight, I feel defined, yeah. and I feel like super happy all day long. Okay, I'm chasing the happy high. That's what I want. I'm like, all that other stuff, right, right, right. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we found something from the rubble. Yes, happy. exactly. I want to be happy. I want my brain to feel like it works. Those are the things that matter the most to me. Cause, That's good. I mean, the rest of it, if I, if I get caught up, I just don't look like enough people where I feel like I can compete in those realms. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. I wouldn't. But I think about, hey, if my brain works, I, yes. Yes. That is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And if I'm nice, <laughs> that's a big thing for everyone else <laughs> oh, yeah. who has to be around me. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, I, yeah. And especially in the Rocky Mountains, I don't know if you know the, the backstory on, on mental illness and deprivation because we're so high up in the sky. No, no, that's not what you're saying. No, but that does affect you when you first move to town. Yeah. Yes. But um, actually, the suicide rates in the mountainous towns are really high. They're like 40% higher than anywhere else. Why? You would think totally opposite of this. 
But there's, there are factors that occur in the elevations that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to depression and anxiety and mental health and, um, and suicide particularly. Yeah. So your dopamine levels and your serotonin levels get completely jacked when you're in the mountains, when you're in a high elevation. So serotonin, as you know, is like the, that's the, the comforting hormone. Yeah. And if that gets disturbed or jacked, you're going to be in trouble unless you figure out a way to fix it. Yes. And one of the best ways you can is by doing complex movement, in my opinion. And well, doing I was say a carb load, but no. <laughs> a what? Carb load. You didn't carb. <laughs> carb load. No, that's not the direction not I'm going. I see that now. Not necessarily. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's that's another underserved thing that a lot of people don't know about. I've been doing deep research on this lately. Yeah. So you want to try to keep your spirits as high as you can. Yeah. And you know, we, especially Park City here, beautiful mountains, beautiful snow, sun is out all the time. Yeah. Summer times are beautiful, but. There is a high incidence of depression, anxiety, and everything around here. And oftentimes, people resort to the medium of recreational drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. to medicate their situation. Yeah. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Terrible rabbit hole. Yeah. So you've got to find a healthy alternative. And, and I've cracked the code on that because, you know, biohacking is my jam. Yeah. And I'm like, what can I do to reverse the aging process? What can I do to make the body better? What can I put, what can I do to put an exponent of 10 next to the body in the health atmosphere? 10. And, uh, <laughs> 10, yeah. I like 10. It's always like everything's based on a 10. On a scale of one to 10, yeah. how you know, resilient are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it'd so. be kind of cool though to be able to think, I could put an exponent of 10 next to my name. You can. Yeah, it, it, it takes work. Can. What I'm saying is it takes I know work. it takes work. <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be worth it. It'd, it'd be work. worth the work. It always would be, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel there are six pillars to optimal health and happiness in life. Right. Six. So you've got exercise yes. slash fitness. You've got fasting, you've got sleep, mm -hmm. you've got ecotherapy, I which like is that. getting outside, outside in mother nature. Yeah. And then you've got um, eating a healthy diet. So yeah. fasting is one thing. You can get away with benefits of fasting, eating junk food, but you shouldn't. Yeah. You should eat healthy too, to yeah. help improve your gut health. And then lastly, and the most important one is human connection. Oh, no isolation. No isolation. <laughs> no alienation. Yeah. Having good human connection with people and having, especially if you have a significant other. Yeah. And like, like I was saying before, words of encouragement, hugs, kisses, holding hands, human touch. It's like energy. We're just balls of energy. We're like, like, what are those things called? Um, the Comet. fly across the sky. Comets. Yeah, comets <laughs> are like the sun, sun bolts or whatever they're called. Yes. Sometimes come down in meteorites. We're like, yeah. we're like that in the form of particles clumped together as human beings. We have so much potential energy in our bodies, it's unbelievable. And something as simple as like giving someone a back rub at work that's having a bad day. That, that will brighten our spirits like that yeah. for the whole day. There's a lot to be said about that and it's not talked about enough and it's not, it's not done. Not practiced. It's just not yeah. practiced, yeah. It is in some cases. Yeah. I mean, well, at that F45 party we went to, I mean, I was looking around the room and I saw a lot of people that had really good human connection yeah. with their husbands, boyfriends, whatever. And they're like rubbing each other's shoulders and they're like, they have their hands on their knees. And they're like, I love seeing that kind of stuff. And yeah. here's, the, here's the romantic part of me yeah. that comes out. That you know, a lot of people don't see, but it's there. Yeah. And I, I see everything that goes on. And I, I see your outfit. You observe the people With my chain like, wallet. Listen, <laughs> I see you. I am from the 90s. Your bands and your bands. Yeah. Unless you have bands, but I don't know. These are bands. They're my checkerboard bands. See? Yeah, you got it. You got it. See? You know. Yeah. But anyway, that's like, it's super important. Human connection is like, and I always tell people, you can have A, B, C, D, E, and if you like F, you're screwed. And I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm just being honest. I, this is absolute truth. Yeah. And you could have the worst diet in the world, exercise every now and then occasionally, smoke cigarettes, drink, 
and have an amazing relationship with your, your significant other, wife, boyfriend, partner, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and be totally fine and live to be in your hundreds. Yeah. But if you lack that number six, you better start looking for the number six. That's all I'm gonna say. Is that the human connection? That's the human connection. Right. It's so important. Without it, you think you can solve the world's problems. Without it. But not only. Right. And yet you can't. And yet you can't. And also without it, you're like, you're, you're often scrambled. Like you need to talk to someone to get things, more than like two friends talking. Right. There's like a certain, yourself over yeah, and over. Yes. there's like a balance that occurs in relationships that a lot of people overlook and they don't see it. And it's like, you need to talk about the business ideas you have. You need to talk about having to work. Right. You need to hash out what you're going to do on the weekend and what, what pair of pants should I wear? Should I wear this shirt with this pants or that shirt and that shirt? I mean, those, those are like intangibles that I think are super important. They and are. no one ever talks about that. It's, it's always about, I need to weight, lose weight, I need to get in shape, I need to do this, I need to stop drinking so Life much wine. Life gets really hard when you're not seen and you're not heard. Exactly. Really hard, mm -hmm. really hard. So I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to give little knowledge bombs out there, the people that go beyond, oh. again, beyond the fourth wall. Yeah. And closing this building. There's a lot going on out there that you don't know about. Yeah. And you should. Pay attention. You need to. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to tell people about coming to your program? What should they do? Where do they find you? Find me, you can find me on all social media networks. I'm on Facebook, I'm on, Mainly Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook as? Inst what's that? What's your Facebook handle? Kevin Rail. Kevin Rail. I'm easy to find. I have about a million pages on there, but just, just look me up. Kevin <laughs> Rail. Look, look for the one that looks most relevant. <laughs> yeah, I've, I just changed my profile picture, my cowboy hat picture, because I am a huge country That's music fan, and I'm a cowboy at heart, and I'm a big fan of the Dallas Cowboys. It's yeah. all ironic, but it's true. It's all ironic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't it ironic? That's a great song by Alonis Morissette, who's coming to town in June, June, I think, and I'm planning on going, hopefully. Yes, She's I just heard about some sort of uh, like Broadway show about her. Yeah, I saw that someone posting it. that on yeah. Facebook, too. Yeah, Yeah. so I mainly do most of my stuff on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, tell uh, us your Instagram handle. Uh, my Instagram handle is trainer underscore rail, but you can just punch my name in and again, you'll find me. But if you yes. see Trainer Rail, that's me. Yeah. And I do I do mainly stories on there. I don't do a lot of posting in the stuff, but I like stories, they're fun. Yes. Little quick snippets. Well, in your feed, I love your feed because it gives me like these challenges that I can do when no one's watching. <laughs> like that dead bug where I fell off the boat oh. wall like 500 times by yeah. myself. Kill, I erased oh. the video later because I was just- Yeah, the killer, bu killer bugs they were. Yes. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was a tough one. Yeah. And um, you can go to my website, restoreyourfitness.com. And also I highly suggest you go and watch um, Fasting, which is on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. And there's another movie, movie called The Motivation Factor. If you go to motivationfactor.com, I believe that's what it is. Yes. You can just look it up. We'll make I'm sure we'll have it right in the notes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. But like, I get asked so many questions about fasting all the time. I'm starting to do intermittent fasting. I'm starting to do longer fast. Can I drink coffee? Can I have tea? Can I have salt? Can I have sugar? Can I chew, can I chew sugar-free gum? And I'm like, oh, the questions are just endless. So the movie goes into pretty good detail about that stuff. Yeah. Not great detail, but if you ever want to do any, if you have any, anybody wants any more knowledge on fasting, I'm like, you go, you go deep in the weeds on that too. Nice, so. nice. Okay, so find K Rail, Kevin Rail on Instagram, on Facebook. We'll have it all in the notes so you can look them up. And join the six, six pack, pack challenge. challenge. No, it's not the six pack. When I My do it in real time, it's a, it's, in the gym, it's the six-pack challenge. At home, yeah. it's my, my six-pack six challenge, which is technically your six-pack challenge. You know what? I'm going to do it. And yeah. then you and I are going to reconnect. And we'll Perfect. See, like, if I get to put that 10 exponential next to my name, or Bryce just got to stick with two. Ah. <laughs> Any exponent above one is, is <laughs> big progress for me. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. We're from the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>